Chapters thirteen and fourteen of Rose Mather, a tale by Mary Jane Holmes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Thirteen, the dying soldier. Backward now we turn and stand again in the chamber where we saw the glitter of the polished steel and heard the bitter cry forced out by pain from lips unused to give such sign of weakness they were white now as the wintry snow which covers the northern hills and the breath came feebly from between them as the sick man whispered faintly i shall not be here if annie comes for when the drum beats on the morrow calling my comrades to their daily drill i shall be far away where sounds of battle were never heard but once oh the peace the quiet the rest there is in heaven i hope you will one day come to share it with me you who have been kinder than a brother and the long white fingers grasped the hand which for so many days and weeks had soothed the aching head and cooled the fevered pillows with all a woman's tenderness never for an hour had that faithful friend deserted his post day and night had found him there ministering to every want and as far as human aid could do smoothing the pathway leading so surely down to death but his vigils were almost over now his release was just at hand for as george had said the morrow's drumbeat would only find there the body which was so worn by suffering and disease that william mather could lift it in his arms as easily as he could have lifted a little child he was greatly changed from the days when he had been aptly called the rockland hercules but as the outer man decayed the inner life grew strong and bright shining forth at the last with all the splendour which perfect faith in christ's atonement can shed around a deathbed there was no repining now no murmuring at the mysterious dealings of providence nothing but sweet childish confidence and a patient waiting for the end coming on so fast that george himself could feel the irregular beat of his wiry pulse and mark the death hue as it came creeping on settling first in purplish spots about his finger-tips and spreading its ashen colouring over his clammy hands a stormy november night had closed over washington and the rain beat dismally against the windows of the room where mr mather bent over the dying soldier listening to what he said you can't tell annie all george whispered looking fondly up into the face he had learned to love so well you must write it down so as not to lose a single word bring pen and paper and then sit where i can see you for the sight of you does me good you have been so kind to me the writing utensils were brought and then sitting where george could look into his face mr mather wrote as the dying man dictated my dear dear darling annie it will be days perhaps before you see this letter and ere it reaches you somebody will have told you that your poor george is dead are you crying darling as you read this do the tears fall upon the words poor george is dead don't cry my precious annie it makes my heart ache to think how you will sorrow and i not there to comfort you it's hard to die away from home but not so hard as it would once have been for i hope i am a different man from the one who bade you good-bye a few short months ago and darling it must comfort you to know that your prayers your sweet influence have led the wanderer home to god we shall meet again in heaven annie meet where partings are unknown it may be many years perhaps and the grass upon my grave may blossom many times ere you will sleep the sleep which knows no waking but at the last you'll come where i am waiting you i know i shall be there annie 
all the harassing doubts and fears are gone simple faith in the saviour's promise has taken them away and left me perfect peace god bless you annie darling and grant that as you have guided me so you may guide others to that home above where i am going so fast you have made me very happy since you have been my wife and i bless you for it it makes my death pillow easier to know that not one bitter word has ever passed between us nothing but perfect confidence and love i was not good enough for you darling none knows that better than myself you should have married one of gentler blood and higher birth than i a poor mechanic i have always felt this more than you perhaps and i have tried so hard not to shame you with my homespun ways had i lived i should have improved constantly beneath your refining influence but that is all past now and it is well perhaps that it is so as you grow older you might have felt there was a lack in me a something which did not satisfy the cravings of your higher nature and though you might not have loved me less you would have seen that we were not wholly congenial i am well enough in my way but i am not a suitable companion for a girl of culture like yourself and i've often wondered that you should have chosen me but you did and again i bless you for it never never was year so happy as the one i spent with you my darling darling annie and i was looking forward to many such but god has decreed it otherwise and what he does we know is right i shall never see you again and though they will bring me back to you i shall not feel your tears upon my face or see you bending over my coffin-bed still i know you will do this and that makes it necessary for me to tell what perhaps has been too long withheld because i would spare you if possible annie had i lived i never could have toiled for you as i once did for where the right arm which has held your light form so often used to be there is nothing now but a scarred stump and this is why i have not written does it make you sicken and shrink away from me don't annie your crippled husband's heart is as full of tenderness now as ever i was too proud of my figure annie and the thought that you might love me less when you knew how maimed i was hurt more than the cold sharp steel cutting into my throbbing flesh and now dear annie i come to the hardest part of all i know just how you'll start and shudder at what you deem so cruel a suggestion know just how keen the pang will be for i have felt the same and my spirit well-nigh fainted as i thought of the time when another's caresses than mine would call the sweet love light to your eye and kindle the soft blushes on your cheek listen to me annie you'll be glad one day to remember that i told you what i did you are young and beautiful and though you do not believe it now the time will surely come when my grave will not be visited as often as at first and the flowers you will plant above me when next spring's sun is shining will wither for want of care and the rank grass growing there will not be trodden down by your dear little feet for they will be waiting by another fireside than ours in the hollow and my annie will bear another name than mine do you discredit me darling it will surely be and i am willing that it should but you will never know the anguish it costs me to be willing it is the bitterest drop in all the bitter cup but i drank it with tears and prayers and now i can calmly say to you what i am saying can even from my death-bed give you to another whoever he may be you can never forget me i know never forget your soldier husband who fell in his country's cause but by and by thoughts of him will cease to give you pain 
and our short married life will seem like some far-off dream i cannot say how it would be with me were you taken and i left but i am much like other men and judging from their example i should do just as they do so if in after years another asks you as i once did to be his guiding star don't refuse for me think that from my low grave i bless you in your new relations and will welcome you to heaven all the same though you come fettered and bound with other links than those my love has thrown around you i am almost done now annie there is a gathering film before my eyes and i feel the death chill creeping through my veins it would be sweet to have you here as i go down the brink up which no traveller has ever come but it cannot be and i will not repine there is one with me whose presence is dearer far than yours could be one whose everlasting arm will be beneath me as i pass over jordan leaning on him i need no other stay but shall go fearlessly down to death there is another with me too an earthly friend who has been kinder than a brother and my heart clings to him more fondly than he can ever guess always respect william mather annie for what he has been to me pray that prosperity may attend him all his days and that at the last he may find a place in heaven he is thinking of these things i know and from the dreary hours spent with me there may yet spring up plants of everlasting growth my mind begins to wander darling there's a rushing sound in my ears while thoughts of you and thoughts of that terrible sabbath battle are blended together good-bye my precious one don't cry too much when you read this it is not good-bye for ever a few more years of earth to you a moment of heavenly bliss to me and then we meet again where golden harps are ringing i can almost hear them now almost see the shining throng sent out to meet me just as i once vainly dreamed the rockland people would come to welcome me home for more in fancy i put my arms around your neck just as i used to do in fancy hold you to my bosom in fancy kiss your girlish lips and smooth your pale brown hair i don't know how you'll live without me don't know who will earn your bread but the god of the widow and fatherless will surely care for my darling and keep her heart from breaking with him i leave you knowing you are safer there than elsewhere good-bye good-bye there were great tear-blots upon this letter for mr mather as he penned it had wept over it like a child forming a resolution which he wondered had not suggested itself before kneeling by the dying george he said god will care for your darling and i shall be his instrument so long as i have a home annie shall not suffer rose's love was given to her long ago and mine will follow soon she shall be a sister to us both the glazed eyes lighted up with joy and the white lips whispered the thanks which ended in a prayer for blessings on one who had proved himself so kind to the poor soldier come closer to me they said take my hand in yours and keep it there while i thank you for what you've been to me you'll forgive me i know that i ever thought you proud for i did and sometimes there was a bitter feeling in my heart when i saw your rose surrounded with every luxury and thought of annie as highly educated as she taking a far lower place in rockland because her husband was a mechanic there is more of that feeling among the working classes than you imagine and you don't know how much good a familiar word or a little notice from such as you does to those who fill the humbler walks of life women feel this more than men 
and again i bless you for the care promised my annie i do not ask that you should take her to your home as you suggest you'll think differently of that by and by but see that she does not want see that no winter shall find her hungry no winter morning cold oh annie annie that you should ever come to this it was a bitter wailing cry embodying all the mighty love the sick man had ever felt for his young wife george had thought himself resigned but weak human nature which clings so tenaciously to life was making one last effort for the mastery and the worn spirit fainted for a time in the fierce struggle which ensued the mind began to wander and was in fancy back again at the cottage in the hollow where the soldier clasped his annie to his bosom begging of her in piteous tones not to love him less because he was a cripple i have only one arm to work with now but i won't let you starve for when there's but one crust left i'll give it all to you and laugh so merrily that you will never guess how the hunger pain is gnawing at my heart i felt it once my darling i know just what it's like twas on that terrible day when our brave boys met the foe way up there at manassas there were hours and hours and hours when we neither ate nor drank and the july sun poured down so hotly drying the perspiration which dropped from my hair like rain twas my very life i sweat away that awful day fighting for the union did you hear the battle annie hear the cannon's bellowing thunder as it echoed through the virginia woods wasn't it grand the yell the highlanders gave us as with the sixty-ninth they bore down battery after battery and plunged into the enemy's midst how bravely our company played their part fighting their way through shot and shell and blood and brains wading ankle-deep in human gore hurrah for the stars and stripes my boys three cheers for the federal flag yes give us three times three and when it floats again over all the land remember the soldiers who helped defend it hurrah hurrah mr mather shuddered as the wild shout ran through the room it seemed so like a mockery that dying soldier shouting for liberty and trying in vain to wave aloft his poor scarred stump anon however the patriotic mood was changed and the voice was very sad which whispered but hush what sounds are these mingling in the glad notes of victory tis the widow the orphan the mother weeping over the slain there's mourning east and west there's weeping north and south for the dead who will return no more a crushed rebellion is hardly worth the fearful price oh annie pray for the poor soldier everybody pray honour our memory forget our faults speak kindly of us when we are gone we gave our life for freedom tis all that we can do speak kindly of the soldiers slain reason was struggling back again and bending lower mr mather said george we will honour the soldiers dead and care for the soldiers living yes yes george answered faintly they need it so much more than the people guess who stay at home and read about the war it will be long and the contest terrible the north is strong and the south determined and both will fight like fiends but right must conquer at last and the star-spangled banner shall wave again even over misguided charleston whose sons and daughters shall weep for joy as they greet the joyful sight god speed the happy day mr mather could only press the hand which lay again in his 
he could not speak for he knew there was a third presence now in the sick-room that its dark form was shading the bed whereon he sat and with that feeling of awe death always inspires he sat silently watching its progress and thinking it may be of the future time when william mather would be the dying one instead of george graham slowly the marble pallor and the strange chill crept on pinching the nose contracting the lips touching the forehead and moistening the soft brown hair which william smoothed caressingly as he bent down to catch the last faint whisperings of his spirit nearly gone we fought the battle bravely tell them not to be discouraged because of one defeat our cause is just twill triumph at the last don't be too bitter toward the south there are kind hearts there as well as here and its daughters weep as sadly as any at the north god help and pity them all annie darling i am almost home so near that i can see the pearly gates which stand open night and day it is not hard to die no pain no anguish now nothing but joy and gladness and everlasting rest rest perfect rest for the redeemed drearily the november wind went sweeping down the street and the sobbing rain beat against the window whilst the misty daylight came struggling faintly into the silent room which held the living and the dead the one cold and white and still his features wearing a smile of peace as if he had indeed entered into everlasting rest the other kneeling by his side and with his face buried in the pillows praying that when his time should come he too might die the death of the righteous and go where george had gone fourteen matters in rockland with quivering lip mr mather told the members of company r that their lieutenant was dead and strong men as they were they did not deem themselves unmanly that they wiped the big tears away and crowding around their informer anxiously asked for particulars of their departed comrade all speaking kindly of him and each thinking of the sweet girl-wife at home on whom the news would fall so crushingly a soldier's dying was no novel thing in washington and so aside from company r there were few who knew or cared that another soul had gone to the god who gave it that another victim was added to the list which shall one day come up with fearful blackness before the provokers of the war the drums beat just the same the bands played just as merrily and the busy tide went on as if the quiet chamber in blank street held no stiffened form once as full of life and hope as the gay troops marching by but away to the northward there was bitter mourning and many a bright eye wept as the sad news ran along the street that rockland's young lieutenant of whom the people were justly proud lay dead in washington and many a heart beat with sympathy for the young wife who ever since hearing the fatal news had lain upon her bed more dead than alive with a look upon her white face which told better than words of the anguish she was enduring nothing could induce rose to leave her for a moment will had stayed by george she said and she should stay by annie with her sitting by annie grew stronger and could at last talk calmly of what was expected on the morrow it will be terrible she said to hear the tramp of feet coming up the walk and know they are bringing george oh mrs mather you'll stay by me won't you even if your husband is among the number annie did not mean to be selfish she was too much benumbed to realize anything fully and she never thought what it would cost rose to stay there knowing her husband would seek her at home and be so disappointed at not finding her there rose could not refuse a request so touchingly made 
but just as the morning broke she went home for a few moments to see that all necessary preparations were made for will's comfort then penning him a note to tell why she was not there to meet him she returned again to the cottage where widow sims was busily at work setting things to rights for the expected arrival her tears falling upon the furniture she was dusting and her chest heaving with sobs as she heard in the distance the sound of a gathering crowd and thought it may be my boy they'll go up next to meet poor annie too shuddered and moaned as she caught the ominous sounds and knew what they portended it would be better to bring him back quietly she said it seems almost like mockery this parade which he can never know i may be glad by and by that they honoured him thus but it's so hard now and covering her head with her pillow annie wept silently as she heard the mournful beat of the muffled drum and knew the march to the depot had commenced how rose wanted to be in the street and see her husband when he came but with heroic self-denial she forced down every longing to be away and sitting down by annie busied herself with counting off the minutes and wondering if the clock would ever point to half-past ten or the train ever arrive there was a great crowd out that morning to meet the returning soldier and george's dream of what might be when he came back again was more than realized there were men and carriages upon the street and groups of women at the corners while the little boys ran up and down but in the beat of the muffled drum there was a tone which made the hearts of those who heard it overflow with tears as they remembered what that dirge-like music meant around the jammed white hat of the man who played the fife there was a badge of mourning and in the notes he trilled a mournful cadence far different from the patriotic strains he played as a farewell to rockland soldiers going forth to battle with hope so sanguine of success one of that youthful band was coming back not full of life and fiery ambition as when he went away dreaming bright dreams of the glory he would win and the laurels he would wear when once again he trod the streets at home not as a conquering hero with the crown of fame on his brow though the crown indeed was won and where the golden light of heaven shines from the everlasting hills he was wearing it in glory but his ear was deaf to all earthly sounds and the tribute of respect his friends fain would bestow upon him awakened no thrill in his cold pulseless heart still they felt that all honour was due to the dead and so they had come up to meet him a greater throng than any of which he had dreamed when ambition burned within his bosom there was a carriage waiting too just as he hoped there might be a carriage sent expressly for him but the children on the sidewalk shrank away and ceased their noisy clamour as it went by its sombre appearance somewhat relieved by the gay colouring of the stars and stripes laid reverently upon it slowly up the street the long procession passed unmindful of the rain which mingled with the snow and sleet beat upon the pavements and dashed against the window-panes from which many a tear-stained face looked out upon the gloomy scene made ten times gloomier by the sighing of the wind and the rifts of leaden clouds veiling the november sky over the eastern hills there was a rising wreath of smoke and a shrill discordant scream told that the train was coming just as the carriage sent for george drew up to its appointed place gently carefully tenderly they lifted him out and set him down in their midst but no loud cheering rent the air no acclamations of applause nothing save that dreadful muffled beat and the soft notes of the fife telling to the passengers leaning from the windows that the dead as well as the living had been their fellow-traveller the banner upon the hearse told the rest of the sad story and with a sigh to the memory of the unknown soldier the passengers resumed their seats and the train sped on its way leaving the rockland people alone with their dead 
reverently they placed him in the carriage which none cared to share with him carefully they wrapped around him the stars and stripes and dropping the heavy curtains followed through the streets to the cottage in the hollow which he had left so full of life and hope around that cottage there was a gathered multitude next day and though on the unsheltered heads of those without the driving rain was falling they waited patiently while the prayer was said and the funeral anthem chanted then there came a bustling moment people passing beneath the star-spangled banner and pausing to look at the dead there were sobs and tears and words of fond regret and then the coffin lid was closed and once more that muffled beat was heard as with arms reversed the rockland guards marched up the walk where leaning upon their guns they stood while strong men carried out their late companion and placed him in the hearse the carriage sent for him there was no relative to go with him to the grave none in whose veins his blood was flowing so mr mather and rose took the lead followed by a promiscuous crowd of carriages and pedestrians the very horses keeping time to the solemn music beaten by the drum and played by the man in the jammed white hat slowly through the november rain through the november sleet and through the november mist they bore him on through the streets which he so oft had trodden on past the cottage he meant to buy for poor annie whispering to herself with every note of the tolling bell george has gone to heaven onward still onward till streets and cottage were left behind and they came to where the marble columns gleaming through the autumnal fog told who peopled that silent yard just by the gate the bearers paused and stood with uncovered heads while the solemn words were uttered earth to earth ashes to ashes dust to dust then when it was all over the long procession moved through the spacious churchyard past the tall monuments betokening worldly wealth past the less imposing stones whose lettering told of treasure in heaven past the group of cedar trees and pine past the graves of the nameless dead and so out upon the highway rose mather starting in alarm as the band struck up a quicker merrier march whose stirring jubilant notes seemed so much like mockery she knew it was the custom but the music grated none the less harshly and drawing her veil over her face she wept silently occasionally glancing backward to the spot of freshly upturned earth where rockland's first soldier was buried the brave self-denying george who gave all he had for his country and died in her behalf four weeks after george's death annie left the cottage in the hollow and went to live for a time with mrs mather early orphaned and thrown upon the charities of a scheming aunt who after her marriage with george had cast her off entirely there was now no one to whom she could look for help and sympathy save rose and when the latter insisted that her home should be annie's also while william too joined his entreaties with those of his wife and urged as one reason his promise made to george annie consented on condition that as soon as her health was sufficiently restored she should do something for herself either as teacher or governess in some private family amid a wild storm of sobs and tears she had read her husband's dying message growing sick and faint just as he knew she would when first she learned of his loss and why it was he had never written to her himself but this was not compared to the horror which crept round her heart as she read what george had written of a coming time when the long grave by the gate would not be visited as often as at first or he who slept there remembered us tearfully oh george george she cried it was cruel to tell me so and sinking to her knees she essayed to breathe a vow that other love than that she had borne for george graham should never find entrance to her bosom but something sealed her lips the words she would have uttered were unspoken and the rash vow was not made 
still there was an added drop to her already brimming cup of sorrow and a sadder more loving note in the tone of her voice when she spoke of her husband as if she would fortify herself against the possibility of his prediction coming true it was a sorry day when she finally left her cottage home and only god was witness to the parting but the dim swollen eyes and colourless cheeks attested to its bitterness as with one great upheaving sob she crossed the threshold and entered the carriage where rose sat waiting for her while the motherly widow sims wrapped around her the pile of shawls which were to shield her from the cold and bade her godspeed to her new home rapidly the carriage drove away while the widow returned to the cottage to perform the last needful office of fastening down the windows and locking up the doors then with a sigh at the changes a few short months had wrought she went back to her own long deserted home and the busy tide of life rolled on in rockland just the same as if in the churchyard there was no new-made grave holding the buried love of annie who in rose mather's beautiful home was surrounded with every possible comfort and luxury and treated with as much consideration as if she were a born princess instead of the humble woman who a few months before was wholly unknown to the little lady of the mather mansion End of chapters 13 and 14